All right, does everybody have your Bibles? Okay, let's go. The place had been chosen days ahead of time, and the timing could not have been more perfect. It was a large room, spacious, but also intimate, with just the right amount of space for comfort and conversation. The food on the menu wasn't the most extravagant, and the drinks did not carry the most exorbitant price tags, but every part of this feast had been chosen with a special meaning in mind, and it had to be because this dinner would be the last time that Jesus would speak with his disciples before his death. And he wanted to make extra certain that they would remember this meal and this message for a long time. The account of the Last Supper left a considerable impression on the Apostle John. And when he chose to tell of his time with the Savior, he dedicated one-fourth of everything he wrote, five chapters out of 21, to the conversation that happened at the Last Supper. I'd like to pick up the story right before John 15. So please go to John chapter 14 at the end of it. By then, the meal had been underway for quite some time. Judas Iscariot had already left the room. Peter had already asked for directions. And I'm just going to say, Peter had already asked for directions. Thomas had asked for directions to know where to go, and Philip had wanted to see the Father. As the disciples asked their questions to their Lord and teacher, Jesus answered all of them, careful to make every word resonate in their minds and in their hearts. It has often been said that one of the hardest things to say in three words or less is goodbye, especially when it's to someone that you truly care for and when it's, especially when it's going to be a long time before you see them again. The supper ended, and Jesus presented to them one final parable, the parable of the true vine. And he ended with a verse that is our theme for both of the talks today. This verse is in John 15, verse 16. Can we go there, please? John 15, verse 16. Please say amen when you're there. He says, you didn't choose me, Jesus began. I chose you, and I appointed you to go and to produce lasting fruit. Other versions have, I chose you and I appointed you. That what? That what should remain? Thank you. I chose you and I appointed you that what should remain? Your fruit. Whose fruit? Jesus' fruit? Our fruit. I chose you and I appointed you that your fruit should remain. Jesus is the true vine and we are the branches. And the branches that come out of us, they grow from our connection to Christ. But they're our fruit because we connected them to Christ. Every person we meet, every person we connect with, we connect them to Christ. And they are our fruit. Does that make sense? Have, have I lost anybody so far, or are we, we're good? One of the problems facing the church today is the backdoor experience. People accept the message, they get baptized, then they leave through the back door. Somehow, in some way, our evangelism fails, and we don't manage to connect with the people. We produce fruit, it begins to grow, but it doesn't last. And we have the backdoor syndrome. People come into the church and then they leave. This session will focus on addition, how to establish solid connections with those of other religions. I'm going to examine the limitations of the current evangelistic methods, and I'm going to share insights from the Bible and from my own experience. And I'll show you effective ways to establish a lasting gospel witness with people of different religions. So how do we begin? Let's start with the Great Commission in reverse. Let's start with the Great Commission in reverse. Let's go to the Great Commission. Go to, please go with me to Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Thank you. All right, are we there? I'm going to put emphasis on certain words, 
and I would have written this down, but I do not have a whiteboard here. So he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. What do we do in churches today? We do the Great Commission in reverse. We start by offering people a Bible study. We teach them to observe all the 28 fundamental beliefs. And then what do we do? Then we baptize the people, and then we try to make them disciples. And because we've reversed the order, it doesn't connect. People are not disciples of Christ. The question is, how do you start? How do you make someone a disciple of Christ before they know what the Sabbath is? How do you make someone a disciple of Christ before they know what happens after death? How do you make someone a disciple of Christ before they know that Jesus is the Messiah? How do you do that? And then when they decide to follow Jesus, how do you baptize them? How, what is that process? How do you reverse the trend that is in our churches today? I want to tell you that knowledge is not conversion. There are a lot of people, a lot of ex-Adventists that have left the church. They got a lot of knowledge when they were kids. I don't know how, how many of you know people that you grew up with in church that are no longer attending. Is that almost everybody? Knowledge is not conversion. Jesus understood this really well. Let's go to, let's go to John chapter 3. And I want to show you the story of Nicodemus from a different light. John chapter 3 and verse 1. Are we there? Okay. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, is that a question or a statement? It's a statement, and it's an indirect one at that. Here's my first point. There are some people whose hearts will never be reached in a public setting. For instance, in the public, many people will not follow the convictions of their own heart. They will follow the defense of their own religions and their own beliefs. And for them, it's a matter of honor and you will only succeed in provoking them. I'm kind of going to walk around. Um, if you think about it, there are some people that you meet in public, and they're like, I'm not going to believe in the Bible. The Bible is a book of fairy tales. Um, other people are going to outrightly criticize you for believing in God. And so you might have a group of friends, and if you ever bring up anything about God, if you show your Bible, people will start to make fun of you. And the entire group, because of peer pressure, they will not want to talk about it. But if you actually are able to stay bold and to stay confident, maybe you can connect with them one-on-one -on -one, um, afterwards at a time when it, it would be most convenient to connect with them. I want to tell you that if you are going to do this, you need to be prepared to meet some people in private. That's what Jesus did with Nicodemus. He chose a time. Nicodemus knew that his reputation was at stake. When he met with that controversial teacher, he knew that he, would, he had a lot to lose. So he arranged to meet Jesus at night when no one else was around. And he started to ask him some really, really deep questions. Jesus could have said, Nicodemus, I don't do things in the secret. Come, come see me in daylight. But Jesus chose the best time and the best place to meet with him. So one or two of your friends may be really interested in learning about God, but they're only going to ask you personally and in private. And we need to be prepared to meet with them in a convenient place. Now, I'm not saying meet them alone. You might want to address everything by cell phone, by, you know, by chat, by text message, maybe in a restaurant, a smoothie bar, or a coffee shop, or an actual bar. I'm going to get to that later. I want to share more. Um, Simply put, when people have questions, they, need, they want to find somebody to connect with. And we need to make ourselves available to do that. I wanted to draw this on the board. We don't have it. So I'm going to say that there are, I'm just going to, please, if you have 
Does anybody not have a pad that, that wants to take notes? I'm going to assume silence is yes, you guys are good. Okay. So there are three main steps with connecting with anyone spiritually regardless of religion. Three main steps. The first step is to pray, is to pray for the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I'm going to say, what do I mean by pray for the Holy Spirit? Peter was always sticking his foot into his mouth. He was always the first to answer whether he was right or whether he was wrong. Do you worry that you have, that you have a habit of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, especially with religion? Do you worry about that? I want you to see Peter before Pentecost and Peter after Pentecost. Before Pentecost, Peter was the first to walk on water. He was also the first to fall into the water. Peter was the first to stand for Christ. He was also the first to deny Christ. But at Pentecost, something changed. What happened at Pentecost? The Holy Spirit came. In Desire of Ages, page 526 and 527, it says, only after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost did the disciples really understand Jesus' character and his mission. For three and a half years, the disciples had lived with him, and they didn't get it. When Jesus ascended to heaven afterwards, that was... Jesus ascended to heaven before Pentecost. When Jesus ascended to heaven, they still didn't get it. Jesus said, I will send you the Holy Spirit, and he will guide you into how much of the truth? He will guide you into all truth. Go with me to Acts 4, verse 13. This is after Pentecost. After Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came into their lives, Acts 4, verse 13, Peter and John started to preach, but Peter changed, and he stopped sticking his foot into his mouth. Go to Acts 4, verse 13. And I gave away my Bible. Can you read it, please? Okay, thank you. So when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they marveled because they saw that they were what? They were unlearned and untrained men. Can you imagine how many of you are trained to do Bible work? Was Peter, were Peter and John trained to do Bible work? Were they, they were unlearned and they were untrained, and yet they were bold. And Peter preached a sermon not too long after and 3,000 people accepted Christ. Every word that Peter said later, anything that was blessed by the Holy Spirit, it hit the hearts of all the people. It says in the book of Acts that people were pricked to their hearts because of the power that was there. And they saw their boldness and they're like, you know, they all they knew was that these guys must have been with Jesus. They had the connection with Jesus, they had the connection with the Holy Spirit. Go to verse 20, please. Can somebody else read it? For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They were so excited. After Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit came, they could not but speak of the things that they had seen and heard. It had made a very big impression on them. All right, the first thing to do, the first step, is to pray for the Holy Spirit. I would say, try to have your spiritual life in order. But even if you don't, even if you've never been trained, if you pray for the Holy Spirit, God, God will give us the right words to say to connect with the people. Does that make sense? This is the very first step. Pray for the Holy Spirit. The second one, this is the second step. And it, the second step is the thing that I was scared about the most. And that's, Pray for the people to come into your path. Pray a prayer like, Dear Lord, please send somebody that I can witness to today. That's a really scary prayer. 
I did not want to do that when I started. I was like, what am I going to say? What am I going to do with that person? Are they going to want to come to church? And I was just so scared to pray that God would send someone to come into my path that I could witness to. But every single time I prayed, God would do that. And people started to ask me for Bible studies. And it got to the point that I told God, I'm like, I can't pray this prayer anymore. I have too many Bible studies, and I don't have enough people trained to, to give them Bible studies. But pray for people in your path. I'm going to give you a story. But before that, let's go to John 12, verse 32. John 12, verse 32. And Okay. Can somebody else read it? Maybe someone from the back. Go ahead, Stephen. If I, if I be lifted upon, up, I will draw all men unto me. Now, how many of you go to a, a non-Christian school? How many of you work in a non-Christian environment? How many of you have ever brought your Bible to work? Or to school? I was like, if I'm Christian, I shouldn't hide my Bible in my phone. <laughs> what I mean is, sometimes we read our Bibles on the phone, right? And so people don't know if we're texting, or if we're reading a book, or if we're playing a game. And we might be secretly reading our Bible, but no, people have no idea. Some people, they have their Bibles at work, or at school, but it's in their locker, or it's in their desk, and it's closed. I was at my work, and we sit in cubicles, okay? And my desk was here, and my boss's desk, he's actually my mentor, my boss's desk was, it was facing me like this, okay? And we have this little tiny wall that was there. And I came back from lunch one day, and I had spent great, a great time in the Bible. And I felt impressed. I was reading the story of Nicodemus, and I didn't finish it, and I wanted to leave the place. So I said, you know what? This is kind of scary, but... I'm going to leave the Bible open on my desk. And I left the Bible there and open to the book of John, chapter, chapter 3. And I was like, what is he going to do? What is he going to say? Thank you. I was like, what is he going to do? What is he going to say? And so I'm, I'm sitting there. Okay, I'm sitting down. And my, my mentor comes back from lunch. And he's just, he's just walking. He's looking at my computer to see what I'm doing. Then he's like, what's that? He's like, is that the Bible? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, dear Lord, what did I do? And I'm like, yes, it is. And he's like, can I see it? I said, yeah, sure, you can see it. So he takes it, and he's flipping through it, and he's like, I said, and I told him, I said, yeah, it's, it's the Bible. And he said, you read the Bible? I said, yeah, I read the Bible. And he's like, you know, I've been Catholic all my life. I've never held a Bible before. This is the first time that I'm holding a Bible. And I was like, oh. And I said, so you don't read it when you go to church? And he says, no, only the priest reads it. We were never allowed to read it. And I said, well, I said, if you want, I can show you what I was reading at lunch. And I said, he looked at the time, he's like, yeah, okay. And we started a Bible study in the, at work just before lunch ended. And later on, he actually was able to take Bible studies from me. Now, this Bible, not this one and not the other one, but the Bible that I had is no longer there. But I actually got him a copy of the Bible because he had never owned one in his life. And I left the Bible open on my desk. When I gave him a Bible, he put it on his desk too. But he left it open because he was reading it during lunch. And other people would come and be like, they'd ask him, not me. They'd be like, you're reading the Bible? And he pointed at me, he's like, he's converting me. And I'm like, what? I, I'm, not con I'm not converting you. Um, but I said, I'm just showing you what the Bible says. And so someone else would walk by that was evangelical. And she'd be like, oh, wow, you're reading the Bible. That's amazing. 
who showed you? And she's like, praise God, he's showing you. Other people are like, like so many people, whenever they'd pass by our desks, they had a comment or a question or something about it. And it came to the point where like during breaks, like three or four people from the office would crowd around and they'd be asking questions about the Bible. And I'm like, man, all I did was leave the Bible open. And people started asking questions. The Bible says, if I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. And I was too scared to do that. I was really, really scared to do that. I'm going to give you another. Um, you have, pray for people in your path. Now that I have this board, I'm going to draw it. Um, I went ba- I'm from Montreal. And when I came back to Montreal last August, one of the people that had gotten baptized said, David, I want to prepare a lunch for you. Come join me for lunch. Now, this person lives clear on the other side of town. And I was like, how am I going to get there? I have no car. And I told myself, my house is here. And there's a bus stop right here. And I, take, I need to take this bus for about 20 minutes walking distance to go to another bus stop here, to take another bus to take me to a train, to take me to her place. It was a really, really long pathway. But this person had gotten baptized. And I'm like, let me do it. So I prayed. I'm like, dear Lord, I'm like, Please help this to go well. And so I leave my house, okay? I check the time carefully. And I'm, I'm walking. I'm like, dear Lord, please let me not to miss the bus because I think I've got... And while I'm praying, the bus passes. And I'm like, ah, oh, it, was, it was so irritating. So I, I'm like, you know what? I look at the time. I'm like, if I run, I can catch the next bus in time because I, I kind of balance it. And I'm like, it's about 20 minutes walking. The bus was going to come in 19. So if I run... I can make it. So I was running, and it was about like 18 minutes to the bus. And I'm like, good, I have one minute to spare. I'm like, dear Lord, please help me not to. And the bus comes and just passes me. And I'm like, this is so irritating. So I was there, and I'm like, what am I going to do? The next bus is going to come in like 30 minutes. And so I'm looking through my phone. I'm like, what can I do? I'm like, you know, I'm like, dear Lord, please give me something to do. I decide to call um, one, of the, one, of my, one of my friends. Um, and so I'm, I'm calling her, and we start to talk, but she's also busy doing the dishes, and while I'm doing this, I'm at the bus stop, and this guy comes running past, and he's like, hey, he's like, did the bus just pass? And I'm like, you missed it five minutes ago. And he's like, oh, man. And I'm talking on the phone, okay? And I'm still talking on the phone, and I feel an impression. It's like, get off the phone and speak to the guy. And I'm like... No, that's like really weird. <laughs> and then, so I'm still talking, and like the guy's like looking around, he's just wandering, and he's like, "Get off the phone and speak to the guy." And I'm like, uh, and then I like, feel really strong. Get off the phone. So I'm like, okay, fine. I gotta go. Bye. And then I'm like, dear Lord, what do I say to the person? What do you say to someone just out of the blue? How do you connect with someone right away? What? I, I turned to him. I'm like, uh, hi, I'm David. And he said, hi. And he gave me his name. Um, and I said, so, I said, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm trying to, I missed the bus. And we started, we started talking. And I found out that he's, con- he's a Christian. But he was considering going to school to be a pastor. And he had no idea who to speak to or what to do. Because nobody else in his life would he would be able to connect with that. So he connected with me. And I was just deciding to go to Andrews for school. And both of us were dealing with video game issues, like our speaker was talking about this morning. Both of us were dealing with, should we go to do ministry or not? And we were able to con- I was able to connect him with a group of young people in Montreal. Um, and it, it was amazing. It came out of nowhere. He came to the Bible studies. He, he's, he's like, man, the group of youth that you have is so amazing. And even though he's still the religion that he is, he's still connected with us. Um, our goal is not to convert people. Our goal is to connect with people, to get to know them. Yesterday, I was walking back from the, um, from the evening session. And I'm walking past the, the gift shop. Have you guys seen the gift shop? It's just, I was walking past the gift shop, and I see an Asian guy. And I'm like, I'm just walking past. And I feel the impression is like, go speak to the Asian guy. And I'm like. No. 
And so I keep walking, and it's like, go speak to the Asian guy. I'm like, I have to prepare the sermon for tomorrow. What am I going to? And it's like, go. And I said, OK, fine. So I, I put away my phone. I went to the store, and I started looking around. And I'm like, hi. And the guy's like, hi. And then I said, I'm, I said, I'm not buying anything. I'm just curious. What nationality are you? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm half Filipino, half Chinese. And I'm like, hey, I'm half Filipino, half Chinese. And we really started like connecting. We started talking about like where did our parents come from. And like I found out he's an evangelical Christian. I actually invited him to this seminar, but he's like, he's like, no, I'm working it during this time. The point is not conversion. When you meet people, you don't connect to convert. You connect just to connect with them. And some people are like, well, how do I approach people? You just say hi. I, I don't know if I've done this to some of you that I, I just met for the first time, but I just say like, hi, I'm, I'm David. Everybody's like, have you done that? Have you ever done this? Or are half of you too scared to, to do that? If you're scared, pray for the Holy Spirit. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Um, I just got back from the Advantage Heritage Tour, and we were listening to stories about Ellen G. White. And Ellen G. White had to speak to a guy that was involved in spiritism. But more than spiritism, this guy was using mesmer, like, you know what mesmerism is? He was using that to speak to young girls, to, to young women, um, and do things with their minds. And God told her, I want you to go and speak to this guy. And she's like, I'm too scared. I don't want to go. And, but after a while, the Holy Spirit convicted her enough, and she decided to go to that person. And she's there. She's out the door, and she's about to knock. And she's like, I can't do it. And she prays. She's like, dear Lord, send more angels. And the angels gave enough power. And she was able to go in and fully rebuke bring the rebuke that God had been asking her to do. If you are too scared to do something, ask God to send more angels. It works. It really, really does. Ask God to send more angels, and he'll do it. Um, the third step. Wait, what was the first one again? I was going to write them on the board. The first one is pray for the Holy Spirit. The second one is pray for the people that come in your path. The third one is be available for divine appointments. Because sometimes people go out to you and you have to connect with them. Other times people come to you directly. Um, be available for divine appointments and give God permission to take over your day. All right, give God permission to take over your day. This is really effective with friends and family. Um, I want to give you a not-too-personal story. Um, one of my friends was agnostic. He still is agnostic. And I was, staying at his, I was staying at his place, and I was talking to him about God, and he's like, yeah, you can show me whatever you want in the Bible. So I showed him like a really, really powerful sermon. And he's like, okay. Okay. Like, so anything else you got? And I'm like, no, and he's like, you're studying to be a pastor. You don't have anything else? I'm like, no, that's it. I share with you the whole sermon, and you don't feel any change, any conviction. He's like, nope, nothing. And I said, okay. So I said, what am I going to do with this guy? And I'm staying at it. We've been friends for a few years, and he invited me over to his place in Seattle um, for, for a week. So I still had like four or five days left, and I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm there, and I came with the idea this is the time that I'm going to convince my old best friend about something in the Bible. I'm going to convince him that he needs God in his life. But now I, I shared with him the strongest sermon, and he was like, no, nothing. I'm like, dear Lord, what do I do? And my impression was just be his friend. So, you know, we went swimming. We went, we went eating together. We went to, like, museums. and the other, We went to the stuff that he enjoys doing. And I was just a friend to him. We just started connecting on other, we did not talk about religion. We were just friends. And we had a discussion one evening. He's like, David, you're not listening to what I'm saying. Because we were talking one-on-one, -on -one, and he's like, sometimes you ask me questions and you don't answer, you don't wait for the answer, you just change the subject. And he's like, I, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. Because he was going to this class called, um, it's called the Art of Living. 
Even though he had rejected God, he's like, I need to know how to live a good life, how to be moral. And so he was working on that. Do any of you know that who, they just, they're not really Christian, but they just want to live a good life. They just want to do that. So that's what he was doing. And we've been talking for a while. And he's like, he asks me, he's like, do you ever feel that emptiness inside? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, that emptiness, you know, like, there's so much pain. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, look, he's like, I'm not going to do the God thing, but I've started doing meditation because I need meditation to clear my mind, to empty my mind of all the bad thoughts that I have. And I just want to focus on living a good life and not thinking about anything bad. And I'm like, well, what pain? He's like, look, everybody has this pain. Like, they don't know where they're going in life. They don't know what's going to happen after they die. They don't know these things. And he was like really pouring his heart out to me. And I was like, I finished, just finished talking to him about God. But he doesn't want to accept God. But he's feeling this void and this emptiness. And he's like, everybody feels this. Everybody that's apparently atheist or agnostic feels a void in their heart. And he's like, I guess not everybody speaks about it. But he thought it was so strong that every single other person that was believed the same way he did thought the same thing. And he's like, how do I get it out? Well, I get, left him some literature. And all I did is I, I remained his friend. Today, to this day, I'm still friends with him. Is he Christian? Is he on his way to becoming a Christian? I have no idea. All I'm doing is I'm being a good friend. I'm praying for him. And I'm waiting for the right time that God is going to open the door again. It may not be me. It may not be you. It may be somebody that's going to go and that's going to finish it. Th th does that make sense? OK. Um, some people, many people, do not want what you are going to share. You give them a tract and they're like, I don't want to learn about the Sabbath. I don't want to learn about the Ten Commandments. They don't want what you're sharing, but they want the fruit of what you're sharing. If you have peace in your life that they don't have, they want that peace. They may not like the way you took to get it, but they want that peace. Or they may see the relationship you have with your family or with your friends, and they're like, well, how is this person happy all the time? How do they have such a great connection with all these people? I want to have that great connection. How, do, how come they're not shy to speak out? How do they get it? They're like, I want to be shy. I want to be able to teach. But they don't want the way to get it. You need to be willing to say, you need to be willing to just connect with people first before starting something else. Um, at my work, and it's an interesting work. I'm going to draw you another picture. OK. Um, OK, there's other stuff. OK, so at my work, we have cubicles. OK, this is where I was working before. And the cubicles, they look like this. There's a desk, there's a desk here, desk here, desk here, and desk, desk here. And I was, I was sitting there, OK? Now, I'm like, everybody in my work is different religions. How do I connect with them? Well, one of my really good friends is Muslim. And I was there. And at one point during lunch, we were eating lunch. I decided to eat lunch together in the cafeteria. If you get the chance to, as often as you can, eat with other people. Don't eat alone. If you have a cafeteria at school or at work, Eat in the cafeteria and sit with people. You don't say hi to people. Some people, they don't know anybody. So they sit by themselves, right? And they eat alone. And they try not to look at anybody. Because if they make eye contact, it's, it's like really bad. So sit with people. Just say, hey, I've never met you before. I'm whatever your, whatever your name is. And just get to know them. So I was at the cafeteria. And I'm sitting on one side of the table. And this guy to my right is sitting. Um, I'm not gonna, and this, girl, this Muslim girl to my left is sitting. And my new boss at that time, he just up, he's like, man, he's like, these pork chops, chops are amazing. He's like, he's like, does anybody want pork chops? <laughs> and, and I'm like, and he looks directly at me, who was just recently hired. He's like, David, do you want pork chops? And other people that know me, they're like, you don't know who you're asking. <laughs> and, he looks to the, the Muslim girl and he's like, do you want pork chops? She's like, I don't eat pork. I'm like, no, I don't eat pork. And the guy on my right, apparently he was Jewish. He's like, I'm Jewish. I don't, I don't eat pork. And 
coincidentally, like we started talking about it and they're like, how come you don't eat pork? You're, you're Christian, why, why don't you eat pork? And I started to explain to them and, and we connected on that. And I said, look, now for those of you who know me, I love to eat. <laughs> and the only reason I decided to become vegetarian was because I love good vegetarian food. If vegetarian food tasted horrible, I would, I would so not be a vegetarian, okay? So, so what happened is we were coworkers, and I would, I would go with some of my Adventist friends in Montreal, and I'd be like, let's try out this vegetarian restaurant. And it's good, and like during, during work, I'd be like, guys, it's gonna be Friday, let's, let's go out together. And so I was the one inviting people. And so I was like, well, where do you wanna go? And people are like, you know I'm Jewish. And they're like, oh, you know I'm Muslim. And I said, no, look, we're going to eat healthy. We're going to eat vegetarian. And the Muslim was okay with that. The Hindu is okay with that. The Jewish person is okay with that. Um, one of my other friends that's Chinese, that's actually Buddhist, but non-practicing, but that wants to be healthy, is like, oh, that's cool, vegetarianism. So here we have an Adventist, a Muslim, a Jew, <laughs> and a Buddhist going out to lunch together weekly. And we're just hanging out together and connecting. And it's, it's so weird because... It's like my Muslim friend is wearing the, you know, the headscarf? The hijab, right? And so, and they're all like, like the Jewish person is like really strongly Jewish. They will not, if, if pork is cooked in the same grill that, um, you know, the other stuff is cooked, they will not eat at that place. So they were all specific, but we were all able to eat together and connect. And we'd be together at the Christmas parties, we'd be together at all these places. Um, that brings me to, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm telling you a bunch of stories, but let me give you one last story. So we were at the Christmas party, and the Christmas party of my work was at a bar, and they gave everybody drink tickets. And I was like, hmm, what am I gonna do with this? And people would come up to me, and they'd be like, they'd be like David, my friend, you, we know you don't drink alcohol. How about you just, you know, donate your tickets to a worthy, <laughs> to a worthy cause? <laughs> And I was like, no, I'm going to use these tickets. And they're like, really? What are you going to do with them? I said, I'll buy drinks. And they're like, okay. I'm, okay. And then so I, I, I'd never done this in my life before. So I go up to the bar, and, and, the, and the bartender is like, so what do you want? And I'm like, hmm, like, do you have pineapple juice? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, is that all you want? I said, yeah, just pineapple juice. They're like, one drink ticket, please. So I gave them a drink ticket, and I got pineapple juice, right? And so I'm walking around, and People are like, David's drinking alcohol, David's drinking alcohol. And I'm like, and so I'm like, and I hear people talking, and I, and I said, guys, I said, what do you think I'm drinking? And they're like, I don't know, because they're looking at it. It's pineapple juice, okay? And they were like, I don't know. And they're like, is it? And they start to list different drinks, because what I'm drinking obviously does not look like alcohol. And I'm like, no, it, it's pineapple juice. I'm like, I don't drink alcohol. And so I'm going around, and I'm saying hi to everybody at the different tables. And curiously enough, all of the, all of the one department, most of them are Hindu. They're not drinking any alcohol either. So they're like, I'm like, this is pineapple juice. They're like, oh, we have apple juice. I'm like, like oranges. I'm like, hey, cheers. <laughs> um, I was able to just because you have a drink in your hand, you're able to go, you know, shake hands with people, speak to people, connect with them. You don't have to get alcoholic drinks if you go to a bar. I'm not telling you go to a bar for this reason, okay? Because it's really expensive to go to a bar just for juice. Um, but if you are invited in a place that serves alcohol, you do not need to get, don't get alcohol. Not, you do not need to. Do not get alcohol. Um, you can just connect with them. And a lot of people, they, they have a lot of stuff to talk about. There's been places where they're like, David, come for drinks for us, with us. And I'm like, you know what? They're like, I'm like, you know I don't drink. They're like, come anyways. So I came, I ordered juice, and we end up talking about anything that's on their minds, about their families, about their hobbies. And invariably, we end up talking about religion. And they ask me a lot of difficult questions at the, at the bar, too. And if you need help, you just pray, Dear Lord, please send more angels. Or please, give me the right words to say. And I've been able to connect with so many people over the years. Um, the most important thing is to connect. We're not there. It's, it's not friendship evangelism, what we are doing. We are just being friends. The Bible says, the ministry of healing says, the Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed sympathy for their needs. He won their confidence. And then he said, come.
follow me. Before we do anything, we need to connect with people. Um, now, I'm just going to go back to Nicodemus for now, okay? Nicodemus, oh wait, so the three points. What are the three points? The first one was? Pray for the Holy Spirit. The second one was? Pray for the people that come into your path. And the third one was? Be available for divine appointments. So Nicodemus has approached Jesus by night. And he tells him in a not direct way. He's like, look, I want to talk about who you are. Are, are you the Messiah? Basically, he's asking that. And notice how Jesus answers him. We're at John chapter 3 and verse 3. John chapter 3 and verse 3. So he says this statement, We all, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher, for no one can do these signs unless you've been sent by God. And Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus sidesteps the matter, and he goes directly to the heart of Nicodemus' question. He doesn't answer the questions. You know how like, some people are going to go up to you? They're going to be like, the Bible's a book of fairy tales. Or they're going to be like, how do you believe in the Trinity? God can't be one and three. Or how can God have a son? How can God die? How, can, how do we know Jesus is the Messiah? How do you, they ask all these questions. Nicodemus had this, was the same type of person. He had all these questions he was ready to ask God. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, what you need is a new heart. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to give some objections, and I'm going to give you some tips on what to say. Some people ask for proof. They're like, especially Jews, they're going to be like, how do you know that Jesus is the Messiah? Right? Well, maybe they never researched it. But you can ask them this. You can ask them, what kind of proof would convince you? What kind of proof would convince you? I did this in, in class. I, I, finished, I, finished soft, I finished software engineering, and um, one of my friends was sitting next to me. And I had, I had my Bible there, and he's like, I can't believe you believe the Bible. And I'm like, why? What's wrong with the Bible? And he's like, it's fake. And I said, how do you know it's fake? Have you studied it? And he's like, well, no. And I said, but I can show you logically that it is. And I asked him, I said, what would convince you that the Bible is real? And he thought about it for a moment, because we were passing notes in class. Okay, uh, we, we were, this was, don't, don't do this, but we were, <laughs> we were passing notes in class, and I'm like, how do you know the Bible's real? We're writing it back to each other. And he's like, look, three things would convince you the Bible's real. If you can prove to me that Noah's flood really happened, I will believe the Bible. If you can prove to me that the creation is really true and evolution is not, I will believe the Bible. And he started listing the things that would convince him that the Bible is true. And so during that class period, which I did not do too well in, uh, I showed him historically that Noah's flood really happened. And that in all the flood stories around the world from the different religions, there's talk about a boat, eight people, and a flood that took out the entire world. And he thought about it. And he said, you know what? You've given me the strongest arguments that anybody has ever given me about why to believe in the Bible. But what about the other two questions? And I said, but you said if I showed you one of them, you would believe. And he's like, yeah, but I have questions about the other ones. And we were, you know, it's a start. Keep the Bible. Like, I, I know we all have electronic ones, but keep the Bible with you. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a discussion opener. And it'll, it'll get people asking questions. Um... Oh, by the way, Jesus said to um, Nicodemus, you must be born again. If you are speaking to Hindus, do not say that. Hindus have this thing called samsara, right? Which is a cycle of rebirth again and again and again. And they're trying to get out of the cycle of rebirth. So if you tell them to a Hindu, you must be born again, they're going to be like, I don't want that. I don't want to, I don't want, I want to get out of this cycle. You talk to them about karma and you tell them how to get true forgiveness. Because in the Hindu religion, you do not get forgiveness for sins. Every good act and every bad act you do has its corresponding reward. 
and so you don't get forgiveness. But if you can share to them about a God that forgives, it makes a difference. Um, I can't, by the way, I can't go through every single world religion and give you tips. I've got resources for that if you want to come see later, and I can talk to you about it personally. Um, if, you are, if you are speaking to Muslims, and they're asking you questions like, oh, the Bible was corrupted, or Jesus cannot be God. Don't start with those. If you're speaking to Muslims, ask them about their prayer life. Did you know Muslims have a stronger prayer life than most Adventists do? They pray so regularly, and if the, the most devout ones, they're like, the pray, their prayer life connects them to God. And it's so important for them. Actually, I don't want to sound offensive, but we can learn a lot about the way Muslims do prayer. We can learn from the Buddhists about how to treat the world. We can learn from the Hindus how to be better vegetarians. Does this make sense? We can learn um, the Jew, like there's stuff we can learn from every single thing. When you speak to people of different religions, when you start looking at the, the different religions, praise the good that you see in that religion. I mean, there are things that we don't agree with in all the different religions out there. But there are things that we do agree with. And bond with that and use that to build bridges so you can connect with the people. The first thing is to connect with them until you are close enough to, to speak about more things. But wait for the Holy Spirit and wait on his timing. Um, OK. It's 1024. I know I spoke a little bit longer than I had intended to right now. Um, we have about six minutes before we end, but you can still ask questions during the break. I'm going to ask, at this point, is everything clear? Um, have, have any of you, how many of you are shy? Everybody's like, I'm shy, or I'm not. Um, practice it. We are among Adventists around here, right? And I don't know how many of you know each other. But try this out during the conference. Go up to people that you never met at lunch. Like, decide, I'm not going to sit with my friends. I'm going to not sit with anybody I know. I'm going to sit at a different table. Or look for somebody that's sitting by themselves. And introduce yourself to them. Say, hi, I'm this person. And Adventist people are not going to bite other Adventist people at this conference, hopefully. Um, just say hi and get, get to know the rest of the attendees and connect with them, and practice that way. If you can connect with Adventists easily, and you don't, even, you don't know who they are, but you know that we believe the same thing, just connect with other people, practice it, and then try it with other people. Try it with the hotel staff. Um, the person that cleans our room, her name is Emu, right? Um, the person that, that helps set up the booths, this guy's, this guy's name is, um, wait, I forgot his name. Um, Connect with people. Oh, one last thing. Let's go, let's go with me to the book of Leviticus. I mean numbers. Go with me to the book of numbers, please. And I want somebody who is scared to read. No. I want, can somebody read Numbers chapter 1, verse 5? Somebody that is afraid of mispronouncing names. Please read it. Go, okay, go ahead. Okay, and verse 5. Simeon Shalumiel, the son of Zuri, Shaddai, Judah, Nashon, son of Abinavad. All these names, okay? God told Moses, he's like, I want you to gather the leaders of Israel. And I want these people to lead the tribes. And so God lists Moses a bunch of names. He's like, I want this person. And he, people have, some people have really hard names to pronounce, right? They're like, so many, like maybe there's four consonants in a row. Um, I had a coworker who had four consonants in a row. I'm like, how do you pronounce your name? <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's this. And I'm like, that's not Z-Y-Y. C, X, that, 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 anyways, it was, Jesus knows the names of every person. When you meet people, try to say their name again at least twice or three times so it'll stick. And after a few times, 
you'll learn that, I don't know, maybe Diana is the person that is um, helping us with the food at the, at the breakfast and at the meals. You'll remember the names. You'll remember the names of the people that you meet. You'll know that Dylan is the guy that works at the gift shop. Um, and if you say, your, say the person's name two or three times, like now I know Eduardo's name, and I remember it. I remember Elijah's name. I remember Stephen's name. I remember uh, Alexandra's name. I remember Nadezhda's name. Because I've said it a bunch of times, but the ones that I've known, I've met, and I've said their names twice, I don't remember. Try to remember the names, okay? Say hi, say, say your name. If you forget, if you're like, man, what's the name of the person I'm speaking to? Let go of the pride. And just say, hey, I'm sorry, I forgot what your name is for like the 14th time. Wait, what's your name again? <laughs> They're not going to get mad. They're probably like, I forgot your name too. <laughs> um, and, and it works that way. Look, connect first. Connect with the people. Uh, I know I haven't given you a Bible study. I'm just giving you something to start with. Try it out at the conference. And if you find, if you find me later, let me know how it goes. I, I'm curious to see who you connected with. Because I've been at this conference enough and I know about probably a half of the people. I thought I knew more, but there's a lot of new people. Um, I'd like to close this session now. And I'd like to, but that my appeal is that you would try this out during this conference. Meet at least, how many of you can make a commitment with me? That you would meet at least five people that you've never met before in this conference and you remember their names. Yeah? I think you guys, I think you can do it. I really think you can do it. All right, cool. Can we, can, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. All right. Dear Lord and our loving Father, as we come before you this morning, we want to thank you that you've blessed us with just knowing you and just having, and just having you in our hearts, dear Lord. We know that sometimes we're too shy to witness, and we want to ask that you would give us the Holy Spirit to be friendlier to the people, to really be a companion, and just to, just to get to know them, to mingle with them, as someone who desires their good and who wants what's best for them. Please help us to be open to um, divine appointments. You were open to Nicodemus, and you were open to so many other people coming along your way. Please give us the right words to say, and please give us, each and every one of us, divine appointments throughout this conference, dear Lord. I ask for your blessing today, and for another portion of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.